Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today we're going to talk with uscfootball.com beat writer and columnist Dan Weber about what's been going on in the USC football program. We've actually seen some football. Yes, out on Cromwell Field, we're going to talk about USC kicking off their summer workout, 7-on-7, 11-on-11. Get to see all the players out there. Dan's got a lot of uh, Interesting insights. His ghost notes were very popular up on uscfootball.com. You can check those out. We put up some videos. We'll have more video and photos coming from the first workout, and they'll be doing a couple a week uh, up until fall camp. So a lot of USC football coverage will be coming up in these summer months. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can leave us a voicemail a couple different ways. Call 641-715-3900. Then dial extension 816646. That's our voicemail box. Leave us a brief one. That would be great. Or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page, and you can leave a voicemail there. And if you want to subscribe on iTunes, the URL, as always, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. All right, well, let's bring in Dan Weber because we want to talk about what we saw yesterday and got to have a little Jackson Joe Breakfast afterwards off the USC campus. It was a fun a little morning there down at USC. What's going on, Dan? How are you? Oh, I'm much better now having seen the uh, first workout. So that uh, you just really you, the, you anticipate for a while, and then you, you get to that point where you got to see them in person, and uh, and that was fun. I, I enjoyed that a lot, and it was uh, a little different from what we've. Uh, We've seen, and, and we, we talked about that, that uh, there is a different feel about this year, this team, and, and that's kind of neat. Yeah, Dan, so it was a great uh, first workout. I wanted to talk, if you people can check out on the site, um, we put up instant analysis. Dan, you put up your story. Of course, the ghost notes on uscfootball.com. I guess one of the big deals was that there were 75 guys out there at the workout, something that you said you couldn't remember, you know, in the years we were covering USC, having that many guys show up for a workout. I don't think I ever remember that. And I'm not sure I ever remember that the, uh, the full defense was there, you know, the whole time and uh, said that they could finish with a, a long, uh, you know, uh, amount of, uh, of 11 on 11. Uh, and we just haven't seen that. And I don't know that we saw any one-on-one stuff where, uh, you know, they're just uh, one receiver going against one uh, one cornerback. Uh, and so, you know, much more team stuff, seven on seven and then 11 on 11. Uh, and while the uh, offense was getting, you know, uh, warmed up kind of in terms of just throwing the ball, they there were plenty warm up, you know, warm from uh, uh, all the running and conditioning, uh, you know, that started at six o'clock. But uh, uh, the defense stayed out there as a group, and they were working on uh, lineups and dummy walkthroughs and, and reactions to, uh, you know, even had guys with uh, the little headgear on that, uh, you know, simulate uh, uh, positions and, and reaction to those positions. And, and, again, it was just much more like a business-like approach. 
And I guess the other thing, when you, you talk about the 75 guys, USC hasn't had this many guys in, in you know, five or six years uh, to the point where they really can can do things that, that maybe they couldn't do before. And, uh, and then there's, you know, the, the, the second part of that is when you've got that many guys, you've got real competition. I mean, this isn't like, you know, hoping for competition or made up competition at, you know, at so many of the positions, uh, you know, defensive line being the exception, you just have a lot of guys that you have to, you know, compete against and show up, uh, you know, show well against. And, uh, I think, I think there are benefits that are coming from that, that that we haven't even kind of gotten the feel of yet. Uh, but uh, it's a, it is a different feel. It definitely is. And uh, I don't know if this is a good segue, but speaking of different feel, <laughs> before, uh-huh. so I want to talk about, um, before we jump in, I want to, we're going to get a lot into the summer workouts and we have a lot of questions to get to. Uh, but we do have a, our sponsor, Mac Weldon, uh, is back on the Peristyle Podcast. So we thank them. So I, I know a bunch of people emailed me before and checked it out and they liked it, but go to MacWeldon, W-E-L-D-O-N.com. And if you use the code Peristyle, uh, which is for the Peristyle podcast, you're going to get 20% off your order. So Mac Weldon, it's a, it's a high end, uh, undergarment product. Uh, I love it. So they've sent me some stuff and I checked it out and I talked about this on one of the other shows. Um, but it's really cool. So it's like, I've always just gone to like big department stores and just bought you know, packages of, of underwear and just, you know, it never really sat right on me and I would try to play sports and just would kind of ride up and stuff. And I didn't really know like, Oh, you can get like good premium stuff that actually works well. So I've gone and played beach volleyball or go to the gym. And when I'm doing like crunches and sit-ups, it, it kind of, it stays on you. It's not with you. The socks stay up on you. So it's, I've tried a bunch of the stuff. It's great. Um, if you want to try it out, get, again, go to MacWeldon.com and use the promo code peristyle and you'll get uh, 20% off. So it's definitely better. I'll guarantee you it's better than what you're trying now. So try it out. I know we people talked about it on the Peristyle and I uh, thank you for the emails or the guys that have sent me stuff, um, before, but, uh, it's really comfortable. So they do underwear, they socks, shirts, uh, undershirts, hoodies, uh, sweatpants. So it's, it's all really comfortable stuff. Um, and it's great. So it, and it looks good. There's, you know, very stylish, but my wife liked the fact that the socks had these stripes on them and stuff. Not the old school, like the, uh, the tube sock stripes from back in the day, but, uh, they're cool. So, you know, I wear them when we, we went out to, to dinner the other night. I got to wear them and it was fun. So, uh, but I, I love working out in them and I do like the, the combination of the boxer briefs and boxers, um, you know, depending on what you're doing, but it's good stuff. So Dan, I don't know if you got to try it out yet. We got to get you to try it out. No, I, but I do know this, the, uh, the boxer brief thing that came in, and a lot of that, having been a high school coach and all that, you realize a lot of the technology and the uh, uh, kind of manufacturing of uh, underwear came you know, from the developments through sports. And you saw that, you know, the, the way that, you know, the material, the way it was you know, put together, the way it was expected to fit you. I think a lot of those advances were, you know, kind of sports-related so that, you know, guys are – more, you know, doing more things where, you know, you're both doing sports and, and maybe not sports. And then, uh, you get used to that comfort level and the support and all that. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's really a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And it's great. I love it. So definitely go to MacWeldon.com, uh, promo code Peristyle. You'll get 20% off and, um, they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they'll still refund you. So no questions asked. So, you know, risk-free to try it out. You get 20% off 
and uh, you know, helps us out here on the podcast as well. So support the podcast. So MacWeldon.com. Use the code Parastyle, 20% off. And uh, thanks, Mac. Well, then, for the sponsorship, and hope you guys go out and check it out. Um, okay, Dan, I want to jump back into the summer workouts. And uh, we didn't see, so maybe the biggest news coming out of the workout. We didn't see Odori Jackson. Uh, he wasn't out there. But there was another guy that was, uh, you know, a former five-star high school player. He's technically still, you know, in high school now. He's just graduating. Uh, Jack Jones, uh, five-star, you know, cornerback from Long Beach Poly. You know, coming from a long line of five-star guys. You know, two years ago, you had Juju Smith. Last year, Iman Marshall, you know, Biggie Marshall. Now Jack Jones, I thought he had a pretty good debut out on the USC campus. What did you think? Hey, he looked so much right at home. I mean, that's the thing you, you really think about when you see a kid for the first time against athletes. At this, I mean, you, you, you can figure out if you're coming out and playing defensive back, in your first workout, you may be going against, uh, you know, a kid who's the best receiver in college football and Juju. Now, obviously, you're, you know, you're both from Long Beach Folly, so this isn't a big shock for you. But, uh, I just thought, I mean, you can see him on video and then you see him in person. And then I just thought he was, <clears throat> his, his ability to get from here to there, uh, he's got a long stride and, and tremendous body control and acceleration, kind of one of those, I mean, a little bit like your Tesla. Uh, you know, you, it can get from here to there effortlessly and quietly. And he, he made up ground or he stopped and started uh, in ways in which, you know, I don't know if there's anybody else. I don't know that I've ever seen a USC uh, defensive back uh, do it quite the way he did it with the effectiveness that he did it. And, and again, you don't notice that until you see it really in person right in front of your, you know, your face. And you think, Oh, how did he get from there to there? Or, you know, plant, stop, and then get to where the ball was and break on the ball where, you know, he and the receiver might, you know, have both basically kind of stopped at the same place and he just runs by. Uh, I, I was awfully impressed, uh, with him yesterday and his hands. The fingertip interception deep, uh, the ability to run with somebody, and then that somebody kind of, you know, the legs get tangled up, and, and, and Jack Jones is the one who doesn't fall down and doesn't lose track of the ball. And once he gets it on his fingertips, he's got it. Uh, he showed me things that, uh, that you just think, how could this kid not be on the field, uh, you know, a significant amount of time? I mean, he's going to let them basically play defense in ways in which, uh, you know, we haven't, haven't seen it. A, a USC team just come out and say, we've got enough athletes to shut you down uh, and see about it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting what with, with Clancy Pendergast, you know, it's going to be a more aggressive style. There's going to be more man-to-man coverage. And you see a guy like that coming into the program. It has to give the defensive coaches a little more confidence, especially with, you know, the, the, the issues on the defensive line, how thin they are there, knowing that you could leave a guy out on an island and feel confident that he's going to make a play or, at least, you know, he's not going to get, you know, get you burned. Um, having someone like him in the program could be a, you know, a game changer for the entire defense. You know, we've seen what Adoree can do, Iman Marshall, even a lot of guys that, you know, we've seen over the you know years that have made plays. You just kind of get the feeling this kid's special. And he could really pay dividends for this defense, allowing Pendergast to be, you know, the aggressive style he wants to play where you're not trying to, to protect things. You're just, you're letting it all hang out and going out and, and doing a lot of damage. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a defense that, uh, you know, the back seven is going to kind of, you know, lead the way, obviously, with that's where the, you know, the, the experience and the, and, and the talent is. Uh, but, uh, he, re- he just reminded you of one of those at the very, very, very top level of the NFL. I mean, there are those guys that are just somewhere a, a cut above. And he just looks like, I mean, and, you know, you're talking about a kid that, I don't know whether Long Beach Follies had their graduation or not. I mean, uh, you know, still kind of a high school kid, but, uh, uh, there's a skill set there. And I was kidding Clancy the last time he came here. I said, man, you were really fortunate. The defense you wanted to play really mirrored the talent of the players you, you had, uh, you know, at your fingertips at USC, the guys you had here could do what you wanted them to do. And, you know, is this going to be another case of, uh, you know, he walked into a situation where you already had guys that probably should have been playing uh, differently from the way they were used last year, the last two years. And so, you know, he's moving those guys into a more aggressive, more active, more athletic, uh, you know, style of defense, which mirrors the kind of players that USC recruits. And then you end up uh, getting a kid like this who, you know, can come in and play right away. And you think, man, Clance, you know, somebody's taking care of you because these kids are, you know, this is what you want. Uh, uh, If you're going to have a defense, it's going to be aggressive and it's going to be moving and it's going to be trying to really force the issue you need guys like, you know, a Jack Jones, plus, you know, a lot of the other kids. I mean, I thought uh, uh, Plattenberg yesterday, you know, made the big hit in the backfield. You know, they're not supposed to be hitting, but they're moving so fast. And uh, you're just thinking, when was the last time you saw, you know, a corner or a safety make that kind of play deep in the backfield? You just you know, haven't seen it for a while. So I think these guys, you know, kind of like the idea that they're going to be aggressive and they're going to be moving. And they're going to play to their strengths, not, you know, being afraid of, uh, you know, going after people. And, uh, and that, that'll be a big change. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, from, from the get go, because if you're, uh, if you're Alabama, you know, whatever film you've got on USC, maybe you'll go back to a couple of years ago with Clancy, but you're really not going to be able to see this team play in this way until, you know, until they kick off September 3rd. And so, you know, that's a, you know, for USC fans, that ought to be a big, uh, big moment to say, what's this going to look like? And, and I, I, I can't wait. I mean, I think that's why you, you play somebody like Alabama in the first game to, to see how it works. So in the spring, Dan, the secondary was pretty thin. Um, they ended up moving Jane Harris over to cornerback for a little while. He wanted to help out there. Didn't know if that was going to be a permanent move. We still don't know, but you know, for whatever it's worth, he was out there. Uh, on Tuesday, working out a corner, had a pick six, had two interceptions, just like Jax Jones did. Jack Jones had his hands on another ball, too. He almost had a third pick. He ended up breaking it up. But, um, I mean, really impressive kid out there. But to see a Jenny Harris on the other side, uh, there was some trash talking going on. You know, he got beat a couple times, but I thought he made some really good plays. I don't know. Do you think he's going to end up staying at, at cornerback for USC, or does he go back to wide receiver or maybe go back and forth? Uh, I would think he'll stay there at, at corner. I, I just think they've got the numbers. And I just think that at wide receiver, I just think they want to be able to uh, uh, 
get uh, a Michael Pittman and a Jocelyn Mater baby on, on the field. And, uh, and with as much as they're going to throw the ball to the tight end, I just think there's more opportunity for a Jenny, uh, you know, to play uh, as, as a corner. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll perfect, <clears throat> I think, some of his, uh, you know, one-on-one stuff and coverage, and, and that's where, you know, uh, you know, they maybe got him a little bit. But then, he, you know, his anticipation and his, his ability to, you know, come across routes and things like that and know where the ball's going, and get there first. I thought he really showed, you know, a lot of that the other day. So, so I think he's got a a, a big upside uh, at corner. And uh, you know, the way they're going to play, I think they're going to need a lot of guys that that can play like that. And uh, I just think it's, uh, you know, I think it's another big break. I think that that he has seemed to adjust that well. You know, that was kind of a uh, you know, in the spring, you know, well, we don't have somebody here today. Uh, anybody want to go over there? And, and Jenny said he would, and he's still there. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's going to be uh, one of those, you know, serendipitous things that just kind of works for you. And because uh, I just think the wide receiver numbers are, are so, and, 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 the, and the seniors at the wide receivers that uh, I don't know that you need to load up any more, you know, people there. I just think the numbers game works out much better with him, uh, you know, on defense. Yeah, I mean, when we were watching the workout, there was a lot of great, I mean, there were great defensive back plays, but there were some great plays by receivers too, bombs to Mitchell or it was Juju or, oh, that was Deontay Burnett. or I mean, there were just more and more names kept, com- you know, coming out. And you're like, man, there's a lot of options uh, that you can throw to. So I, you just get the feeling after watching the spring and seeing all the receivers that are trotting out there, um, that likely this year is not going to be the Juju Smith show. He'll be a huge part of the offense, but he was such a, you know, he, he dominated the, the receiving stats. And I, I just don't know if that's going to happen this year with the number of guys they have. I don't think it will. I mean, I think the whole offense is geared to basically trying to get people into space as quickly as possible and getting the ball to whoever that is <clears throat> and not necessarily going through progressions and going, Oh, look here, look here, look here, but just immediately get that look, uh, you know, with the quarterback as to who aren't they able to really cover. And because they're throwing the tight ends into the mix, because they're going to attack you right up the middle on, in the run game, I think they're going to, uh, you know, limit the linebackers ability uh, to cover people and, uh, and they're going to open up the field. I mean, they're basically, you don't get the sense that this is right-handed or left-handed or, you know, uh, they're leaning one direction or another based on, uh, position groupings and, uh, personnel and all of that kind of thing. And so, uh, I just think, uh, you know, from the standpoint, if you want to come out and try to really take Juju away as a lot of teams did last year, you're going to be in trouble. Because it isn't going to change things. They're going to take what you give them, and they've got a lot of people to get the ball to uh, who will hurt you. And that's what you hear with you know from the new coaches is, wow, there are so many weapons. This is you know if we get the ball to these guys in space, uh, you know we've really got a chance. And again, you know what what limited that to some extent last year was you know not only the way the plays developed, but was the fact that you couldn't always be sure that everybody on the offensive line would get the right block and, and you wouldn't have a, a, you know, a whiff or two guys block one guy and somebody comes through. 
And, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to happen this year. And I think, uh, you know, the more teams that really try to, you know, focus on the quarterback, they are going to be able to run the ball up inside. So you're going to hold guys, you know, in place at the line of scrimmage a little bit more. I just think the offensive concept that we're seeing uh, is just a lot more sound and a lot more geared to the talent at USC if you can really do the job at the line of scrimmage. And I think that is significantly changed, you know, with Neil Callaway and with the depth and the experience and the size at the line of scrimmage. This is not a, you know, a small team. This is a, you know, this is a big bunch of big rangy guys who really ought to be able to, you know, give, give the quarterbacks enough time to do whatever they want. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very encouraged about the offensive schemes. I, I, I really think they're moving in exactly the right direction for college football, where you, you can run it when you have to, and even when they know you're going to run it and you've got the ability to do that, but you can also run the tempo and the wide open and the, let's you know, you know, take advantage of our you know skill set and get the ball to guys who are, are very explosive. So I, I think it's a it's a great combination. You got to pull it off. You can't just talk about it. You got to make it happen, and and you got to be tough and strong and and physical, and smart uh, to do it. But uh, but I think they got a chance. Well, you talk about the quarterbacks a little bit. I wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw out there. I mean, just looking at Sam Darnold, um, just he looked thicker across the chest. He looked like he's definitely developed from you know last year to this year, uh, going into the you know the. Uh, the summer workouts and, of course, fall camp coming up. I thought Max Brown, who I got to see at the Elite 11 a couple of days ago, we put up video of him throwing the football around. We'll have video from, uh, you know, the Tuesday workout as well. But thought he looked good throwing the football. We got to see a little bit of Matt Fink. Just get your thoughts overall on the quarterbacks. Yeah, I thought uh, uh, one of the things I was impressed with is they're really driving the short ball. I mean, really getting on top of it and, and just – uh, you know they're not feathering it in there. They're they're just you know powering the ball in there, and you better have uh, you know talented receivers to be able to catch that because they're going to throw a lot of those things. And uh, I was impressed there. Uh, I was impressed the fact that uh, I think they went at least ten minutes before there was a drop, and it was poor you know converted linebacker to fullback Ruben Peters on a flare and. Everybody reacted because literally they had, you know, a streak going of however many, 25 or whatever straight without a drop. And it reminded me those kinds of things happened back when they were, you know, they had the streak going with Matt Leiner and you would go to practice and the ball wouldn't hit the ground. And that's the kind of thing you, you want to see, especially when they're running in lots and lots of wide receivers, that the ball doesn't hit the ground, that everybody you know, catches it. Uh, and that, I think, really develops that confidence in quarterbacks to throw the ball into a crowd. I thought we saw a lot of, a lot of guys catching the ball, you know, in coverage, uh, especially Juju, uh, and the quarterbacks with confidence to, you know, to make that throw, even though maybe it's a, you know, fairly tight window. Uh, I thought Max looked really good. Uh, I thought he, you know, he's in charge. He's, uh, he's the guy. And then Sam does what he does, which is, uh, on plays where there is a you know there's some breakdown or there isn't somebody open, he does have that ability, you know, to to take that first step and then go. And um, um, and, and I like the way they complement one another. 
And, uh, again, I think a lot of the national magazines that are coming out or whatever kind of attribute the fact that Max wasn't named to maybe something Max didn't do. And I don't think that's right at all. I think Max did everything you would have expected and wanted and hoped for, you know, from him. I just think it's a recognition that Sam uh, performed at a level that no one probably could have expected uh, and would have expected. And so I think it was just a recognition of, of you know, what a great spring he's had and uh, and where he is. And that USC has a couple of guys that I think they, they really, really think they can, you know, you can win football games with. Uh, we didn't get to see Jalen Green. It looked like he was under the weather a little bit more than anything, if we had to guess. And, and I, you know, again, we all thought that he had a pretty good spring. So, and he gives you, uh, another, you know, d- distinct kind of a, a look, where, you know, a kid with, uh, you know, wide receiver speed and uh, really good size and a, and a very strong arm and uh, and the ability to do things maybe you, you wouldn't do with others. And then uh, Matt, Fink, Matt Fink got in there a, a little bit, and he surprised – he always – on film and before we saw him in the spring, he didn't look as big. He looked bigger uh, and and, and – you know, more of a, you know, big-time college player when you see him in person. Uh, you know, that he's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, just catching up and just, you know, catching up. His body's going to have to, you know, grow into things and that. But, you know, they're getting him in there. And uh, um, I, I like the way what I'm seeing with quarterbacks. I think they're – USC's in a, in a better place than, you know, most people in the country – with those two quarterbacks, uh, uh, and you know, it's the kind of thing I think you can feel good about. But uh, but I think they're both, uh, you know, the kind of quarterback you can win football games with. You can win a lot of football games, and and that's saying something. I don't know that a lot of people right now in the country feel like they've got two quarterbacks that they can win win football games with. Yeah, and then uh, one last thing before we jump into some of the questions, Dan. Um, we saw. Chuma Doga playing on the defensive side of the football, which I thought was a little odd. Wanted to get your thoughts on that. I think we saw Damian Mama take a take a uh, a, a handoff at running back. Don't think he's going to move over there, but <laughs> Chuma Doga potentially could be on the defensive side. Yeah, I don't know. He he was he looked tentative a little bit. It didn't look like it was an absolute. Okay, this is what I'm doing. It looked like, and and at first you think, oh, they just don't have enough bodies. Uh, you know, to rotate guys through on defense, which is, you know, one possibility. Uh, and Chuma just did it to line up there. Since we can't talk to the players, we don't have the ability to tell you for sure, you know, exactly what that meant. Uh, we do understand that they're thinking about moving somebody uh, from offense to defense. Uh, last year that was Jordan Simmons was the guy that, you know, went went back and forth. Uh, and with this being his last year, you get the sense that that may not be – he may not be the guy to do that. Uh, he he seems to be uh, strictly going to be an offensive player at this point in time. Uh, so I, I don't think we know, you know, the answer as to exactly what that what that meant. If it were me, Schumann might not be – had been the first guy that I would have thought about. Uh, you know, I might have thought about Damian actually more – than uh, than Chuma, although more Damian as a as a nose and not not a guy that's, that's going to play uh, 
you know, that tackle end kind of position. But uh, <clears throat> but I, I I don't know what that means. I do think it means uh, they they need somebody else now. They're getting uh, you know help from uh, the uh, junior college. So uh, Josta too, I guess, uh, will be. I think they like him uh, a good bit. I think they they think you know that he was um, probably not given credit because I think he was underweighted in terms of all the the publicity stuff that comes out of uh, I guess it was Long Beach City College and uh, and maybe schools didn't realize how big he'd gotten uh, in his uh, second year and that uh, that he's uh, He's a prospect. I think they believe that they can put in, you know, put on the field right away. So that may impact, you know, somebody going from offense to defense. But, uh, but I, I think, you know, we'll just have to let the uh, Chuma Doga to defense uh, play out as as it goes here in the next uh, few weeks and maybe into August. All right. So that was the first <laughs> first summer workout. Uh, interesting stuff there. So keep checking on uscfootball.com. We'll have more information from all the workouts as they continue on. Uh, I want to jump into the questions. We have one from Greg in the OC. And he said, um, how could it be uh, for Kevon Seymour? I'm, I'm sorry. How could it be for Kevon Seymour's vision depth perception problem was not discovered while he was a student at USC? Doesn't the annual medical exam include vision screening? Wouldn't the coaching staff or even Kevon know there was a problem which could easily be checked out? With the monetary investment the school has in its student-athletes, it seems strange that a comprehensive eye exam would not be routine. Thanks, Greg and the OC. Yeah, I mean, an unbelievable question, especially now that you look back and you see a couple of those depth perception issues that, Probably cost USC the uh, Arizona State game, you know that famously two years ago, and um, you know that what did the Buffalo Bills do in their testing of Kevon that picked that up right away after he'd been you know at USC four years, and and you even think for example the other part of the Kevon Seymour story is he goes to the combine and runs a four four, and we're all thinking. What? How could you not play? You know, you had a kid like that, and he almost never got to play man to man. And he's big. I mean, and, and Buffalo thinks they got one of the bigger steals in the draft now. And you know, once they get his vision corrected with his, uh, you know, his speed. Now he did have some injury issues at USC, but um, but it was a kid that probably should have gotten a chance to play a lot of man. Now, you know, how much of that issue? Uh, with the vision would have been a you know a problem uh, again. Uh, I'd probably rather have him playing man if he's got a vision problem than uh, than zone. But uh, yeah, that's something. I do think USC now has someone coordinating all of the training and medical and rehab and all that stuff and, and, and kind of in one place. And I try to get an in, you know an interview with uh, and and figure out exactly now. There's always this issue of, you know, medical privacy and, and that kind of thing when you when you go into those areas. Um, so they may not be able to, you know, tell you everything. But, I, yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and, and it's one that I think they are at least addressing uh, to this point, but uh, it really does need to be addressed. Uh, that, that's just kind of inexcusable. 
Yeah, it was very strange um, when you hear about that. So well, hopefully everything works out with him. I think it'll be okay. Uh, we had a couple questions on the uh, Coliseum renovation, Dan. So one from Tarek. Is Lin Swan going to be involved in the Coliseum renovation, or is that Pat Hay Hay Hayden's baby? And then Mark wrote in, maybe the powers at USC are ahead of us on the Coliseum remodel. Just think this through. TV dictates start times ranging from 11 a.m. to, to 8 p.m. TV makes you sit through uh, non-ending timeouts. A good fan can save money on tickets, sit at home, and watch the Pac-12 network. Oh, yeah, I can't watch it there either. Guess the fan is just screwed. Uh, that's from Mark. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think that's one of the really big questions. And I've been working on that this week to see exactly where the decision-making came down on the Coliseum. And it's not really all that clear. I know that in the forum uh, at USC on the Coliseum redesign, the athletic department is only mentioned third among the stakeholders of uh, people involved in the, the way everything was decided. And that kind of worries me uh, a little bit. I would think the athletic department ought to be a little bit higher on the list of people who were, you know, helping decide how the redesign would go. And so uh, what that says about Lin Swan, and, and I guess the issue is <clears throat> if you have the, previous athletic director who was involved in this decision and to approve this redesign is now the person kind of overseeing the fundraising for it. Although from everything we hear, that's gotten, they've gotten off to a good start in terms of people wanting to be part of this. Uh, you know, it's a great deal in a lot of ways because they're basically taking away 10,000 seats for 2,500 people, the best seats in the Coliseum. And, giving them, you know, this this palace that they're going to get to be part of with, you know, great, uh, you know, food service and lobbies and, you know, mar uh, marble staircases and all that kind of thing. So the reception's been pretty good. I mean, obviously the problem is 10,000 people are going to lose their seats. And, uh, and then you've got, you know, uh, not nearly the same number of people on the sideline. And the other... You know, the big issue, obviously, at the Coliseum has been that because it was basically an Olympic track stadium, uh, you don't have nearly as many for a, a stadium with that many seats, if you say the 93,000 now, uh, you don't have nearly as many sideline, end zone to end zone seats because the stadium is so much more widely, you know, kind of laid out. And you have more, you know, in the in the end zones and more in the, you know, the corners and the curves and all that. So if you take away 10,000 of those, you really are now taking away, you know, the really good seats, which is why, you know, a lot of people thought that uh, adding a second deck, cantilevering, uh, doing something like that, putting a, a, a much smaller, narrower uh, row of box seats around the entire top of the stadium would have been the way to go and not taking any seats uh, away from the sidelines. I mean, to me, that would have been uh, the number one goal if you do redesign is not to lose any of the good seats. And that seems to have kind of gotten lost in, the, you know, by the way. And, 
And does no one want to stand up and say this is the decision and this is the only decision we can make? I mean, there are, I know they're saying, well, we only have $270 million and I don't know what you can do with that. And, and, and to answer that, I mean, they redid the Rose Bowl for about $160 million and really did a nice job with, uh, you know, luxury boxes and suites and didn't take away any seats. Uh, and so, you know, I think it can be done. Uh, I just think I'd, I would have liked to have seen them try harder. And I think because of the fact that there are 19 months before they're supposed to start construction on this, they have plenty of time to do that. And uh, one would hope that maybe Lynn Swan and Pat together could, you know, listen to all the, uh, you know, the, the, the seat holders, all people that have had those seats for, and their family, you know, for decades and listen to them and say, you know, uh, we got to do something else. We can't displace all those people and we can't take away all those good sideline seats and not replace them. So uh, let's hope that maybe Pat and Lynn together, you know, can get this done. Uh, and, and we'll keep trying to find out exactly who made this decision. I don't think there are a lot of people at USC right now that want to stand behind this decision and say, Oh no, that was me. I, I, I was our call. Uh, Cause they know what kind of feedback they're getting. Uh, I think at this point from the people who are pretty sure they're, they're not going to have their seats if this plan goes through. All right. Uh, we had a couple more. We got one from Evan Dan. He said, it can be very difficult during the season to access coverage of the USC games over here in Australia. Oh, cool. Uh, is wow. there one network or combination of two networks that offer the best coverage of all games? Obviously, the time difference is a big factor. So on-demand and online access would be a huge benefit. Last year, the Pac-12 Network launched a live subscription channel through YouTube. This gave easy international access and a great quality stream for a reasonable price. However, the game times were early morning and only two games were available. The NFL had a great solution with an app showing live feeds and on-demand games. The international subscription plans cover all games, and there are no network conflicts with an overseas broadcast. Do you think the Pac-12 could offer something similar in the future? And uh, I hope there's not too many questions. Thanks for both of you for all the hard work and great coverage. Fight on from Evan. Yeah, Evan, I think I would address that to, uh, to the Pac-12 network. I mean, the person that <clears throat> that I, seems to be the most responsive, and the guy that we deal with is, is named Kirk uh, Reynolds uh, at the Pac-12 Networks, and 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 uh, I would I would think uh, some of those ideas, and, and we'll you know raise those with him. Uh, but I think uh, you know hearing from somebody like you who actually you know has has that kind of experience in Australia and dealing with you know what you see that the NFL does right and what you see that maybe doesn't suit you nearly as much from the Pac-12. I mean, that was the kind of thing that they were really going to, you know, specialize in, the fact that they owned uh, the complete rights at all levels and that we're going to be able to take advantage of all those, you know, rights that people would be able to access on their own portable devices and all that. And if there are ways that that's working better for you, I think uh, uh, I would uh, – and I – I wish I could think of his his absolute email address now, but uh, but it's Kirk K I R K Reynolds 
at the uh, at the Pac-12 network, and um, uh, I think he would be somebody good to raise that issue with and see if you can get, you know, some kind of insight into in, into their plans as uh, you know how they could make that more accessible to people. I mean, in Australia, I mean, there's a big big emphasis, for example, in Asia, and the Pac-12 has an office in you know in China and an outreach program, and they're you know taking teams you know, to China, and, and, you know, you would think that that would all impact uh, favorably on Australia as well. So uh, 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 I would stay after them, and we'll stay after them to, to try to figure out if there is a, you know, better way for them to do that. Uh, there really ought to be for the Pac-12. They should be, you know, strong outreach to Asia and Australia. I mean, that's, uh, that's you know, part of the big plan. All right, we got one last one, John and Brea. He says, thanks for the summer podcast and keeping me entertained and informed during my commute home. I have a question for Dan Weber about the 2016 schedule. I noticed that with the exception of Notre Dame's neutral site season opener, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, LSU, and Alabama play all of their games on Saturday. Uh, how much of the scheduling is dictated by the conference and how much of it is up to the individual team? The highest-rated game on Fox last year was the Saturday afternoon game between USC and Utah. Making matters worse, Saturday, October 29th, is a day without football in Los Angeles. What marketing genius thinks it's a good idea to have a Saturday in October when neither USC or UCLA is playing football? When is USC going to flex its muscle as the biggest revenue driver in the Pac-12? Is anyone awake at the McKay Center? Thanks for all you do and fight on, John and Brea. Or at Heritage Hall, I guess is the other part of that. Yeah, I was stunned moving out here with the number of times that, for example, opening Saturday, where is UCLA? <coughs> Texas. Where is USC? Texas. Huh. <laughs> How much football going to be played in L.A. on that opening Saturday of college football season? Zero. Uh yeah, and then you get into because, you know, they they have to take Saturdays off because they're being scheduled to play a Thursday or a Friday night game. Uh, and you get these deals where, you know, nobody's playing. Both of them are out of town. It, it makes no sense that there isn't more coordination, uh, one would think. Uh, I know this. The first time I came out here to do some games is um, uh, it was one. I was doing a traveling college football Hall of Fame. I put put together a traveling college football hall of fame went all over the country 26,500 miles and we went everywhere and uh we came to the usc this is 1989 usc was hosting uh ohio state at the coliseum not bad that night michigan was at ucla at the rose Bowl. yeah i mean i i was very impressed with how you know they that USC played Ohio State an early afternoon game, and then uh, UCLA hosted Michigan at night. So even when you had both of them, you know, at the same on the same day, you had the ability if you were a big time college football fan. Uh, and actually, we were going to have the traveling college football Hall of Fame at both games until UCLA, the only team, the only school in the entire country, said, you yeah. know. We really don't need you here, so don't bother. You know, we won't have a place for you at the Rose Bowl. So we just uh, 
we just did the USC Ohio State game that 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 weekend, but uh, but uh, just the thought that you could have, as a fan, going to both games, and it it it's going to take more coordination now that because of the more Thursday night Friday night games that cause. You know, if you have a Thursday night game, for example, the Saturday before and the Saturday uh, after the game, so two Saturdays straight, you're not going to be playing on Saturday. And so uh, that kind of does leave holes in the schedule. And I think uh, they need to probably uh, – I think USC itself has to take a little more proactive stand. For example, if I look at this year's schedule and I'm USC – I think I very proactively say uh, the week after the USC travels to Palo Alto, and then the very next week they're asked to travel again to another tough uh, Pac-12 opponent on a Friday night. So not only do they have to have a short week and a short week following a travel week, but a short travel week uh, uh, for a Friday night game. I think I would have said no. We're not going to do that. That's, uh, you know, you want us to play Utah? Fine. We'll play them on Saturday. You want us to travel two weeks in a row against Stanford, then against Utah? That's asking a lot. We'll do that maybe. But we're not going to do it on a short week and a travel week. Uh, so I think, yeah, I, I would like to see USC be a little more proactive uh, about, you know, the schedule. I mean, they, they've gotten the Pac-12 to accommodate them on the Notre Dame uh, games where you play Notre Dame uh, at South Bend in the middle of the season, and then the next year they come back at the end of the year. And that kind of works out a little bit with Sanford uh, being able to do the same thing. But uh, but I think USC probably should be uh, a little stronger in terms of the Pac-12 and scheduling. All right, Dan. Well, great stuff. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and uh, talking about the, the USC summer workouts and all the other stuff that's going on at USC football. But we will look forward to talking to you again soon. We'll see you out there at the next workout. Can't wait. Bright and early. Bright and early. Tomorrow morning. Yeah, th- <laughs> Thursday morning. We'll be out there. All right. Well, thanks, Dan. And everyone else, thank you so much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.